Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. It is CISO Thursdays. I am so excited to be back because this has been a few weeks. I, I miss everybody. Um, I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. And we have an awesome guest today. But first, I will go to my co-host, brother from another mother, Chris Folong. Hi, uh, Chris Coulon, co-host, cybersecurity consultant, career coach, and fortunate to introduce our amazing guest, Jules, today. Um, she's back. Uh, we, we love when Jules comes on. She always has amazing things to say, and um, we are fortunate to have her back. Exactly. Welcome, Jules. Hello. How is everybody? We are great. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh my God, it was, I cooked everything. So it, for that reason was exhausting, but then I also helped eat everything. So I guess that made up for it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but my mom came into town and she hasn't been, I haven't seen her. Oh, did my screen freeze? Oh. No, you're here. Okay. Um, but she hasn't um, been in town. I haven't seen my mother since May of 2020. So, wow. I, and she hasn't seen her grandchildren. So I promptly gave them to her and I've been, <laughs> <laughs> Take them. They love you. Have fun with them. I'm I'm going this way. Enjoy. Right. I know. That's what that's what it's gonna be like for my when my mom shows up in for Christmas. So yeah, we haven't seen her since February of 2020. Oh wow. In person. Yeah. Where yeah. does she live? And where do you live? So I'm outside of the DC area in Northern Virginia, and okay. she is in um New York. Oh, see, my mom was in New York too. She lives oh. in New York, um, Brooklyn. Oh, well, we need to talk afterwards because they <laughs> might be neighbors. <laughs> She's in Brooklyn too. That's so cool. Oh my God. So, Michael Reeves is here. Hey, Michael. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, we want to kick it off by talking about there are a couple different things. Um, Paul is here. He said, Team Awesome, we are so excited. I was just telling. Um, Chris and I, we were on our little group chat beforehand, like we miss each other. <laughs> so when two weeks pass, I'm like, what's going on? Um, so we're all super excited and, and doubly excited to have Jules here as our guest because when she was here, Jules, you were here like what a year ago? No, no, oh, um, wait, even longer. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. No, like at least two, three years ago. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's how long have you been doing this now? Almost four years, four years. three and a half. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you were like our <laughs> biggest deal back then. <laughs> you were our superstar. Like, wait, we got Jules. I remember how excited I was about starting my new business. I hope I can have that same level of excitement because I was so excited. Um, my new office, I was like on it. Now I'm like, oh God, I've been in this like three years. Uh, a little tired, but I, I'm bringing the energy today. Yes, you are. You always do. So Thanks. one of the things that we talked about. Um, about having you talk about and before okay so before we get started a couple things all of our guests please um folks that are watching us please subscribe to our youtube channel we are at over a thousand um youtube subscribers woohoo we want more we're trying to get to two thousand you know us we try to double it every time so <laughs> please 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 subscribe to our youtube channel 
um, for the folks that are watching right now that are live, let us know where you're, you're um, where you're hanging out. How was your Thanksgiving? Put all that stuff in the chat. You know how we do. We like we want to know all your business. We want to know what you <laughs> ate. We want to know where you live. We want to know what you did. So please put all that good stuff in the chat. Um, so. Jules was talking to Chris a couple of weeks ago and we, we, as usual, are always talking about breaking into cyber and the challenges and things like that. A couple of things came up. Um, and one of the things that, that came up was around, um, and I, I really wish James was on here because he was talking about this too. Um, but Jules talked about, you know, bringing people in, no experience Right. And training them up and the, the level of the lack of loyalty, like, you know, a couple months later, they're gone. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of aligns a little bit to I made a post a couple weeks ago on um, LinkedIn about um, I forget the guy's name from the Shark Tank. Um, Mr. Wonderful. I forget his, his actual <laughs> name. <laughs> he um, on the Shark Tank, he said if he sees a resume and it has less than two years experience on it, it's immediately, or if he sees like that the person hasn't been in a job for two years, he immediately trashes it now. So it kind of all comes together because we had some discussion around that. Um, and where, you know, where's the line, but I really want to hear from you, Jules, because mm -hmm. you're dealing in the cyberspace. You have your own business. You're bringing mm -hmm. in people that are junior and then, you know, from a manager and leadership perspective, what is that like when they just turn over and they, you know, they resign, they quit in a couple of months? Mm -hmm. So I'll start off by saying um, my company, Revolution Cyber, was started for the purpose of giving people without a lot of experience an opportunity to get their foot in the door, uh, gain the requisite experience so that they could go off and do other things. Now, so I don't have a natural issue with those who come into the field and then leave, but there's a way to do it. And I want to talk a little bit about the way to do it, but I also want to talk about the attitudes because I think that's really what I'm driving at is we are in the space where people like Renee, Chris, and I are convincing CISOs all the time that they should take a risk. Hire somebody who you know doesn't know security, bring them into the space, train them, and then they may stay with you, they may go off, but in doing so, you improve the overall quality of the talent in the industry. And that means that they're going to be giving before they can receive. And that means that most people will not want to do this. Therefore, when you have an opportunity where someone said, because I've been in those shoes, um, I never, uh, before 2014, I'd never been in, in cyber. I was in marketing and sales. And what I did when I first got into my role was I learned everything I could about my job, my boss's job what my company did, and really what it is I wanted to do in the future so that I could develop the skills in this role to be helpful in that new position. What I find today, and look, I don't want to have the millennial, genial, Gen Z, Gen Y conversation because <laughs> y'all don't know my age and I'm not telling it to you. But what I want to say, there's a difference today in how um, educational institutions are preparing young people for the workforce. What I find is that Maybe it's a social media thing, but everybody thinks that everything should be easy. Um, you should come in and if I don't immediately get it, then it's probably too hard and it's not for me. That's the attitude I'm saying so many people have that they've got to correct. If someone has agreed to pay you for work that you've never done before and they take the risk to bring you inside their company, 
It is incumbent on you to get into the role and do everything possible to develop and acquire as much information as you need in order to be as valuable as possible as soon as possible. Therefore, if you're not getting what you need to get, you don't understand, you ask questions, you sit with other people, you, 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 you reach out to people in the industry to gain that knowledge. But what I find a lot of times is people come in, they're like, this is hard. And then they quit. Not even just with Revolution Cyber. I've actually helped to get people into other jobs where I've leveraged my own CISO connections and they'll get into the role. Either they'll find that someone responded back to them for a job that they had applied for that they now have. So they jump or I find that they just go, yeah, I don't want to do this. And then they come back to me and say, can you help me find something else? You can imagine in those situations that I'm not going to go and out of my way to help again. And the industry is so small that you've got to make sure that you're not setting up a bad reputation for yourself before your career has even started. So there's a level of professionalism that comes with an apprenticeship or an internship. You don't have to assume that you'll be there forever, but you also can't assume that you're entitled to anything before you've delivered anything. That's one of the things that um, Paul, who's a, a commenter of um, is like we have a nonprofit where we're working on where we're taking individuals like with that background, making them do the training um, that can last anywhere from one to three months that they have to do themselves. It's yep. free, um, but you're doing the training and you're showing the commitment to learning and then going to um, potential companies and going, hey, we, ma we made sure that this individual really wants the SOC analyst role, like they understand it um, and they didn't just pick it out of a hat and they studied for it. And now we want to, to, to show them to you and to show them that they have the passion for it because all too often they don't. Like real training means it's not like the cert is about taking as much information as you can in and then spitting it back out in the way that the test requires it. That typically doesn't translate into the work environment where you need to be able to then communicate it, apply it, to be able to share and collaborate around it. And now those are the skill sets I'm finding that are missing quite a bit. So what, what I tell people is you will be hired for your skill sets on paper, but you will be retained for what it is you're bringing a value in the form of communication and ongoing continuous learning. So the, the tests are different. If you're getting into the door, what you use to get there isn't what's going to keep you there. And people have to be aware of that very quickly. Yeah, totally, totally agree. I mean, every point you made is so spot on. And I, and I, part of me wonders, it's so funny because when you said Gen Y, Gen Z, every time I would hear, so my, and somebody made a comment to said, if Jules Scott said, if Jules is a day over 26, I'd be shocked. Me too. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> I'm 26 you need a job. 26 <laughs> years old. <laughs> and plus um, one. Plus one. <laughs> um, but the, the, some of the points that you made, you know, you hear, you hear about, and I, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to tell my tell my age either, but I'm on the. <laughs> I'm on the cusp. I'm a little bit behind that. <laughs> but, you know, when somebody sponsors you or somebody brings you on, 
you know, my mom used to always be like, you got to make that person proud. You have to be, you know, like you have to be sure. And you have to put that work in because they, they are taking a risk until you have your wings and you know what you're doing. And then you can command whatever it is that you can command because you now you know what you're doing. But in the beginning, you know, you are supposed to do everything that Jules is saying. You are supposed to be digging into the company understanding. And one of the one of the things that came out of that particular article that I talked about with the two years, and and I and I understand when people say, you know, two years could be a long time, especially if you know it's just a dumpster fire place, right? <laughs> you want to get out. Like I get it. Um, but someone made a comment and was like, it takes three months just to figure out if it's a dumpster fire, especially when you don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah, right. Unless somebody is like berating you, like if you feel like a complete like the, it's personal, the actual work component of it, you're not even going to really get your legs under you and feel feel figure out how to do stuff for at least at a minimum three yeah, months. Yep. Um. So you know to have this attitude where it's just like, oh my god, this is hard. Like everything's hard in the beginning. I mean, I yeah. tell my little kids that. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I suck at it. Well, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, the, the goal is to keep sucking less. That's that's right. 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 Like, oh, I suck at math because yeah, because we were sitting. You know, it's a it's COVID. Like yeah. virtual yeah. learning was tough. I <laughs> get it. You know. What I mean? So yeah, now we got to ramp you back up again. But it's just like there's this. It's kind of like what you said, Jules. There's this disconnect or this um. There's something that hap- that's happened where folks I think are less likely to dig their heels in and they they sometimes use the um loyalty component but loyalty is like that's after three you know three months six months things like that okay like yeah if you've been in a company four years like that's I get it but three months six months anything under a year really as a brand new person that that's hard. That's unheard of. It's and like you said, it's got to be an exception. Um, yeah. So Scott's question about the home lab. Um, there yeah. was a conversation that came up. And Jules, um, before you answer, let me just read it because I'd like to read these um, these comments yeah. as they come in for people who are um, listening to us without watching. So Scott Jaster says, I keep hearing about setting up a home lab. Curious how much you feel that is relevant on a resume and how to present it on one. Mm. Okay. I, oh, so I was going to say, I struggle with this answer. Here's mm. why. Um, if you're this idea about setting up home labs and doing all kinds of things to demonstrate your uh, either affinity or passion for it, it, it it's, it's a double-edged sword. And the reason why is sometimes you appear almost too passionate or dedicated for the junior role. So I've seen it where, not in our company, but when I've helped others um, and they talk about, you know, they've been going to cons for years and been doing home labs. The, the thought is, well, why hasn't anybody else hired you? Well, if you're, if you're great in doing all this stuff, why, why, why are you available? So, but what I'll say is do the things you like to do, regardless of whether it gets you the job or not. If you really want to explore that, if that's something that's of interest to you, my suggestion is go ahead and do it. The presentation of it is within a cover letter or mention it in your resume, but it's in a cover letter or some other document that you can use as support for your resume. I don't think you spend a lot of time talking about how you build out the home lab, but you need to put it in a place that allows you to um, demonstrate it to someone who might find that to be of interest. 
I, I'm, I'm always saying that side projects, additional, um, you know, hobbies, those things demonstrate that you're not just, you know, going to work and coming home. But I'm also now shifting my mindset because as a, the mother of two, um, you know, being home with them and managing, you know, family life, I don't have time to set up a home lab. And if I wanted a job, well, what, what would that mean for me? But what, what, I, what they're looking to see beyond the home lab is what other things are you doing to ensure continuous learning? How are you demonstrating that you have a true interest in this? And by continuing to teach you, you can apply what you're learning. So if it's a home lab, great. But I also think that there are things like volunteering in different organizations um, that I, adv I advocate strongly for communication and talking to people on Twitter um, and showing some of the things there, using social media to your benefit, um, some of the things you're doing directly. So I, I really feel like a home lab is just a start, but there are a ton of things that you could do. Yeah, I would um, I'd add on to that comment that in my my point of view um, or my opinion, the home lab is more about you learning the skills and then being able to demonstrate how those skills apply to the role and less about the actual home lab. It's about you saying that you understand how networking works. You understand how to reverse engineer something. You're proficient in doing this to show like, you haven't had experience at a formal job, but this is what you're doing to be proficient in the skills that the employer's asking for, and less about the home lab. It could be um, hack the box, it could be whatever. Um, and then showing that these are the skills that you learned, and this is how you, you're using it to, to transform into a competency that you can then translate to that role and what that hiring manager is looking for. Exactly. Um, and to echo what you both are saying, it's more of like, I call it like you're creating your own little mini internship. So, yeah. you know, as there's not a lot of internship opportunities out there for people looking to break in. And some people have full time jobs and can't just leave their job and go into be an intern or leave taking care of their kids and go be an intern somewhere. Um, so you're setting it up so that you are gaining a little bit of experience to do what Jules is talking about and what Chris is talking about in terms of the actual experience. Yes. Um, so Paul says here, yes, if you're doing a home lab, do write-ups on what you're doing and what the lab is about. So that's really the goal of it. A couple other comments that came through, I definitely wanna make sure that I am shouting everybody out. Michael Reese, we shouted you out. Paul, obviously, hello from Vegas. I don't know who this is, but hey to Vegas. What's happening in Vegas? <laughs> Um, Paul says, yep, the Christmas holiday is going to be a pause again for the greatness that is breaking into cyber. Is Christmas on a Thursday? Uh, Christmas is, we're not doing it Christmas week, Aww. but we're doing it the week after. That's sad. Okay. Whole cyber human family. Follow our awesome family members on YouTube. Thank you so much, Paul. Paul is amazing. Steve Upshaw. Hey, Steven. Thanksgiving was awesome. He is viewing us from San Diego. Tia is in Hawaii. Wow. <laughs> We want some invitations. Um, <laughs> Michael is in Kansas. Michael Reeves is in Kansas. Sterling says he's watching from San Diego. Is it appropriate to reach out directly to a CISO about a job position instead of a hiring manager? Ooh, that's, that's a good, good one. That's a good can, one. Can I, can I say yes? Oh, I, I, I want to say yes because you're not reaching out to them about 
hiring you specifically. You're reaching out to them that you saw the role and you're expressing interest and then having them pass it on. The expectation is not that they're going to talk to you about the role, yes. is that they would just pass you on. I agree. It, I mean, I there are CISOs who would love for people who really wanted to take a job to come to them so that they could kind of walk them into HR. So yes, I, I su suggest that. The other thing though is when doing it, trying to be as humble and as respectful as possible, right? So. I wouldn't keep following up. Let's assume that they're busy. Um, but what I would also say is anytime there's a job and you have a connection to someone in the organization, you want to leverage that person to get into the organization. Um, I've been able to help people just in terms of my network um, and saying, I vouch for this person. So any role you see, if you know the CISO or have a friend who knows the CISO, definitely um, see if you can, uh, if they can make a connection, but also if you can get your resume in front of the CISO directly. There are a lot of issues with HR pipeline and how a resume gets into a system. <laughs> yeah. If you can go around that, you're better. You want to go around it. We, I mean, we, I think we had a whole podcast just talking about how to circumvent ATS systems. Um, because <laughs> as a person who sits on the other side of an ATS, I'm telling you all, especially folks trying to break into the industry, it is a complete waste of your time. Not a complete waste because some people have applied and have gotten jobs, but I, I would highly recommend that you spend your time networking, social media, all that stuff versus applying to jobs online because totally. it's like, you know, you're just in there with hundreds of people and um, the systems rank. Yep. They rank people, the, the, all the new systems nowadays, they rank you a lot to align to the role. And if you're not, you know, aligned you end up as number 57 in like, you know, a batch of a hundred. So it just doesn't even pay. Um, okay, Sterling. And to add on to what Jules is saying, companies, especially large companies and small companies, they will pay your internal referrals. So not the CISOs. CISOs are too high up. They make enough money. They're not going to get paid. But <laughs> the folks on the bottom, another thing people need to realize, use your peers. Yes. A lot of times the friends, the people on your level are going to know, oh, so-and-so just resigned, give me a resume or whatever. Like you want to be kind of in that inner circle that Naomi tends to talk about of people that are like, oh, you know, I know such and such, they could get in, they could get into a role, um, they're available or so-and-so just quit before it even hits the job boards. Like, yep. you know, by the time it gets to LinkedIn, a lot of these roles are already filled. Completely. Um, I have a question about that to, to you too. Um, for referrals where you don't know someone, so they're reaching out to you on LinkedIn, how do you communicate that to the recruiter or the hiring manager with regards to the weight that you place on that referral? So I am, a, I'll, I'll answer my, I don't, I wouldn't refer personally, like if I was in a company, I'm not going to refer somebody that I don't know or that somebody hasn't vouched. Somebody hasn't said, oh, Chris is good, put him in. Or whoever, because at the end of the day, that's kind of tied to me. And if you are one of these people. So another thing when it comes to internal bonuses for folks that don't know, a lot of the times, like the person has to stay for a certain period of time. The individual has to stay, you know, like there's uh, there's things tied to that. So if you're if th this person happens to be a flake and they show up and I get paid and I got paid the money back or they don't, you know, or they yeah. they turn over in six weeks. And I don't even know who this is. Mine's like, oh, Renee referred them. Like, I don't know who that is. So I don't, <laughs> unless there's somebody that's vouched, 
I don't necessarily do that. However, I do know of other people who, you know, some of these big, large companies, they can put people into the pipeline and not know them. And it's perfectly fine. And they yeah. can just put a person in. Um, but me personally, if somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, can you put me in here? I'm, I, I don't even, I, I'm not, I'm not responding to that. I don't know. I don't know this person. Know you. Yep. I, I will take the time, actually, if I think their resume is good enough to meet with them, um, because because I'm also a hiring manager and I work with a lot of CISOs and typically have heard of all the roles that could possibly. If there is somebody I've spoken to who they might be a good fit for, I will then meet with them it, in that interview. It's more about character, actually. It's, you know, did they come prepared? Did they um, speak? You know, clearly, were they do I feel like I would be able to confidently put them in front of, you know, my network. Uh, because I kind of feel like there really is great talent out there. And I used to work at Yahoo Hot Jobs. I very much have recruited um, in the past. So I, I kind of can tell who's a good fit and who not. At least I think so. Um, and so if I, if I get a good feeling, I'll, I'll at least, but I won't say, this is a personal referral, I'll say, you know, such and such sent me their resume. I've also had a chance to speak to them. I think it would be worth it for you to speak to them as well. And to okay. circle back on what you said, Jules, that's a good point. If they're coming to me as like, hey, Renee, I'm a recruit, you know, like, you I know you recruit in the industry. Can you move me? Can yep. you, um, you know, are there opportunities out there for me or whatever the case is? Definitely, I will respond or look at the information or point them to different people. But if I was working at a company, per se, and they said, oh, can you put me in for this job or can you be my recommendation for this particular job? And I don't know them. That's where it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I take a, a similar approach to Jules where I would want to talk to them, but then I'd also assess the level of confidence or how, how well I know them when I do pass them on, like, Hey, this is someone that just reached out. They seem like a good fit versus hey this is someone that i've known to be a really good person and to have good results in former companies and, and kind of weigh that leveling there because you're, you're as you said it's your reputation that's kind of attached to it so if it's someone that you don't know you kind of just say they reached out they seem good um it goes in your pile, but I, I don't expect it to be at the top of your pile. Agreed. That's right. Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, okay. So let's see. Paul, this is in response to what Jules was saying earlier. Yes, you have to do the work. The hands out are the resources people offer. Don't expect a magical badge for free. Our worksheet is designed to create a continuous learning process for anyone who does it. If you can't commit to a simple learning plan, is cyber really for you or anything? His energy is everything, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, so, so so Paul is referring to the the, the, the kind of training um, plan that we, we created in that nonprofit that we mentioned. So kind of goes through, offers them a sequential level of training from zero to hero in the spaces that they might seem fine for um, based on the free training that they get. So for example, veterans get access to a lot of different trainings from different companies. So if they they fit a skill set and they want to go in a certain area, we'll refer them to the, th those additional trainings so that they come prepared to a company and 
and said, these are all the different trainings that I've done. And this is why I would be a good fit for your organization. Right. Completely true. Yeah. Um, Paul's, Paul's org is awesome. So Michael Reeves says for a candidate, from a candidate's perspective, what holds more weight, a college degree or a certification? We haven't had this question in a long time. (laughs) Okay. Um, I want to say this nicely. I think certifications are, that's a business. Um, And there are a lot of companies that are, have great reputations. And I, I, I strongly suggest some certs if you don't have a college degree. So if you don't have one, certs help you. What I want to say is I believe it's on the totality of the candidate background. I think the decision isn't either or. Um, but what I will tell you is the people who have disappointed me most, and I've been hiring now for the last seven years, have tons of certs. Why? You're studying alone, or maybe you did a group study. You're reading books, you're taking information in, you've you got it down, you move to the next cert, you do it again. Those people tend not to be able to work with other people, tend not to be able to um, break down and analyze information, provide good reporting. Um, and what I find is that those with like a, a litany of certs behind their names are focused so much on the technical, they miss the soft skill pieces, which then makes it hard for them to be retained, to be brought from internship into full-time roles. So a college degree is no longer just about whether you can get that first job out of college. You learn a lot about life and how to work with people. Perhaps you stay on campus. You learn how to balance different priorities. You learn how to do a number of things at the very same time while learning independence. And even if you went to a community college or technical vocational school, two-year school, those are also places where it's a, if you're in a classroom setting, you've got to work with other people, take an information, and you've got to apply it and share it out. Certifications versus a college degree, if I were to be asked and you could only do one thing, I would say a college degree. Because I believe that if you can pass with a college degree, you have the aptitude and the ability to learn and you can get a cert. But sometimes I find if you've only got certs, and you haven't done the work, the co- you don't need a college degree, but you haven't done the work to actually learn how to communicate and work with other people. That's where I see people struggle. And it becomes a little bit harder to get them a job and then have them stay on. Yeah, I, I think the, the period in which they acquired the certs becomes very critical. Um, if someone has 10 certs that they got in the past six months, um, that 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 to me is a potential red flag. I mean, it could be someone that's unemployed and and that's their situation, but they have to have the soft skills to be able to communicate that. Yeah. Um, if I had to choose being uh, someone that does have a master's degree, um, again, uh, I I'm in favor of formal education, but I don't want it to be a gatekeeper. Yes. I, I want the, the bachelor requirement, the master requirement to be removed and instead put like we consider certs and formal education as a as something that we prefer to have and not required to have. Okay. Um, that, that would be my goal to, to have to open up the hiring pipeline to access more diversity, um, to be more inclusive of individuals that might not have the financial background or access to 
uh, certifications or formal education and to, to kind of ha have that equity for everyone that's coming into the process. Right. And I will add that, um, again, from the HR side, unfortunately, companies are still requiring or unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, however you look at it, some companies, especially typically um, the ones that have these pipelines of college, you know, like entry level positions, yep. internships, things like that, they tend to, well, one, they require a college degree or that you're in college. Two, they go and hire from college campuses. Yeah. So they will go. So a lot of the times they're just like, I can't get an internship. I can't get It's like, yeah, because they just went to, you know, whatever university and they hire 20 people from that school or yep. they pick three or four schools and says, okay, I'm going to hire people from these schools. And th the reason why they do that is either you have alumni that are on, you know, in the leadership capacity and or they've invested in these in these schools. So they've invested in the universities. They help to put together the curriculum. They're working with the students, you know, so they're invested in these um, universities and colleges and two year ones at that as well. Um, so they're going to go where the investment is. So they're going to go to back to that place. So, um, you know, from an HR side, what I see is it's auto, it's like, autopilot. I, it's almost autopilot. And to be honest, nowadays yeah. it's so easy, so much easier mm -hmm. to get the college degree yep. that, um, you're just putting up a barrier. Like by the time you get 10 surge, you could have gotten, you could have right. gotten through because now it's all remote. It's not a situation where before you had to have, you know, you understood when a, a, a parent, a single parent or whatever had to go to a physical location at, at night in the evening, putting these sacrifices and pay. It's those time, money, all this other stuff. Nowadays, there's so many online institutions that you can, um, actually get it accomplished. So yes. um, that that's the story from the HR perspective. And another thing is a lot of the times you can, they'll bring you in. If, if you are allowed to get in without the degree, the promotion, you know, a lot of the times when you're trying to get that promotion, you got all these other people that have college degrees. And so the, the step up to management, yeah. if that's what you want to do is going to be a challenge. Definitely. So you know, I've also seen, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead. I've also seen like at, at director levels, there's a ceiling where even if you got in without a degree, yeah. that you can't go up without a master's. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's it like an say. unwritten rule, but that the company operates on that. Right. And, and they will offer, let. They'll offer to pay for it. They'll offer to pay for some of it. So they'll say, well, why not get it? It's an, It's a benefit. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've worked in organizations, especially because most of the organizations I've worked in up until the last couple of years were these big, large, you know, Fortune 100 companies. And every once in a blue moon, they would hire somebody without one. Um, but this person, it was so like over the top in terms of the experience that it was just like, well, we'll make this one exception. Um, but if you're, you know, big four, like certain places, you got to have a degree, you have to have a certain cert. I mean, there was one in one org I asked, um, 
I was in there recruiting for audit for their auditors. And they were like, no, everyone has to have a C, a CPA or a CFA, whatever it was. And they were like, because we tell our regulators, you know, we tell the people when we go in and do their books that, that everyone here has this particular credential. And, and the only and way to get that is having a degree. But go ahead. The marketing of it is different than what the actual experience is. So, for instance, there were announcements by the big four that they were they didn't they no longer required um four-year degrees, except it doesn't trickle down to their HR system, which still filters out the people who don't have <laughs> who don't have degrees. So sometimes you'll hear an organization tout that they it, it no longer matters, and it actually does in ways that you won't be able to see. Right, yeah. right, exactly. So there's a lot going on with that. Um, too bad James isn't here because he's the, <laughs> he's the man that talks about not having a degree, so it'd be, it would be interesting to hear what he had to say. Um Okay, so we already talked about this comment. Brooklyn 29 is in Springfield, Virginia. Brooklyn 29, you're supposed to be in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, let's see. Roman says he is here from Nashville. Hey, Roman from Nashville. Um, okay, so Paul says you nailed it, Chris. Who better knows what their business needs than the C-suite and they are humans. Just don't do something to pressure them on the topic of job descriptions. What I mean by this is making a meaningful connection with them, meaning the CISOs, CISOs talk to CISOs and same with executives. So Paul, I totally understand what you're saying. Like kind of what Jules said and Chris, you, you don't want to pressure. Like if somebody, you send your resume or you reach out to a CISO, they don't respond immediately, you know, give it a little bit of time, maybe do a second follow-up, but like pressuring them, like, where are you? All that kind of stuff. They, it's automatically going to be like a hard no. Okay. <laughs> What what is I mean just in your experience what's the the best and the worst experience you've had in helping a candidate get a role? Hmm. Let's see. I have not had like a ton of. I don't. I'm trying to think if I've if I've had any bad experiences. Like my, you know, usually the folks that I help out are, um, you know, they are they do what I've what I asked them yep. to do. Yep. So they already have a level of like, I give the advice yep. and then they come back and they say, I did this now, you know, what do I do next? Right. And so you have confidence in them that, okay, like you told this person to do X, Y, Z and they did it. Yep. And so they get referred on. I can't say that I've had a person. I would have to think about, you know, someone who's really been, um, you know, like didn't work out for something egregious. Like I'm trying to think. I, I don't have any off the top of my head that I can think of. Chris, I I can't actually think of any either. Well, not not true. There, there's a there's a lot of people that are on the surface of those types of conversations where ex they reach out and they have high expectations. Um, or demands for help <laughs> yes. when they don't know you. And even if you share resources, you're like, well, what do I need to do to get a job? And it comes across as very rude. And I mean, sometimes I understand it could be cultural upfrontness. Um, it could be English isn't their first language. So it maybe didn't come across right. But um there, there, there is a, a consistency in the younger folks. Um, 
to to be more direct and upfront with their expectations and it's like I just gave you a list of 10 resources yeah. um, for, for you to check out. And like, you're already asking me about step 10 when you haven't even done step one. Um, and uh, like, as this podcast has been going on for years, as I've been very public, um, I get a lot of those. And it's like, hey, like, I, I have a copy and paste of a bunch of resources. I have... Um, articles on all this that I've written over the years, like maybe a little bit of research on your end, if you're really (laughs) passionate about this, um, could go a long way. I would agree. (laughs) I want to get the answer and the job like immediately. (laughs) Chris, I think you you come off too nice. I don't get a whole bunch of, like they may. (laughs) By the time they talk to Renee, they finished his Twice. Right. <laughs> I already read your book. I watched all the podcasts. You're amazing. Then I'm like, oh, okay. Like, what can I do? Um, so that's too funny. That is hilarious. Yeah. I don't, I, and maybe if, if they do come across like that, because I've been a recruiter for so long, I probably just delete, like, I <laughs> just move on. Well, yeah, I do that. I do that with uh, job recruiters that like send me for help desk. <laughs> Oh requirements God. or like, believe, a, a three-month contract to move across the country for an on-site role seriously, seriously? like for yeah. three months you want someone to move across yeah. the country yeah. or, or i still get like marketing assistant roles i'm like really it's been <laughs> it's been enough time i'm not it's even just, in that field anymore it's so funny <laughs> i was talking to one i was on a call the other day with one of my clients on a on a um on a conference and we were talking about um resources, how to, how to find candidates. So this mm-hmm. is about sourcing candidates, looking for candidates and where they are. Mm-hmm. And something came up about dice and, you know, job boards and stuff like that. And I was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I think that those like people that go to the, not, not to say people, it's not a bad place to go, but it's just old resume. I was like, who's putting their resume on monster anymore? Yeah. Like, <laughs> or dice. like that's just an old resume. So the people reaching out to you, Chris and Jules, with those old assistant jobs from like 10 years ago. It's like, oh, they're looking at a resume from 10, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I think it's even worse, right? Yes. I think it's even worse because what you're doing is, even if it was from 10 years ago, you're not even looking at it. You're just doing like a search for a keyword and then mass emailing it. So like I've had to remove like help desk like all my roles for help desk like remove them from my resume so that like i don't get asked for them and still they're like oh i found you on linkedin you want this help desk (laughs) no it's the mass spammers i i have a CISO (laughs) friend that gets called for like tech like help desk type um he was a, what was after the help desk? It was desktop, right? So desktop type, you know, like infrastructure stuff that he hasn't done in years. And I was just like, yeah, that's, they just mass spamming. Like they find a, you know, uh, it's not even a human. It's just <laughs> straight bots spamming you. That's what's going on. And, and I think that another interesting thing that happened to me is when I was looking, I think there was a point like just before um, I started the company. I wanted to be a BSO. And that was very early on when there weren't, there was this one BSO role. And like my, my resume had like, I've been in sales, I've been in marketing, I did all kinds of things in influence, I was leadership. And they were like, you're underqualified for this role. And I was like, basically, my resume didn't have any of the things like the certs, like I didn't have a CISSP, I didn't have, so they, 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 you know, I was filtered out. Um, It was the hiring manager who told me later on that they found my resume and was like, 
whatever happened. I was like, they said I was underqualified. So yeah, because you know. it's not a human. Like, not- or if if it's literally like scanning for for keywords, that's why we say circumvent the ATS because yep. a manager is gonna see, oh, this person has all the skills that a BSO needs. I can train her on the other stuff. Yes. She has the business skills. She has the communication. She has this, 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 this. That's what I need to be. So I don't need a technical yes. heads down person. I need somebody that's going to bridge the gap. That's exactly. So, yeah. All right. So, um, Requiem, who is in San Fran, says, I've been finding um, Rex using yeah. LinkedIn, using LinkedIn recommendations, using LinkedIn to find networking group connections, reaching out to the recruiters, other relevant connections, <laughs> then shooting friendly messages to inquire about the role, no response. So kind of what we said, we've been talking about this, and I know that um, uh, we have, uh, Requiem, I know you made this comment a little bit further up, but um, use your, um, if you're in the groups and stuff, you want to go directly to like the hiring leaders, hiring managers, um, and you won't necessarily know every single hiring manager or leader, but if you have a target, so this is what I would tell people to do. If they really know that they want to be in like a certain five companies or 10 companies or whatever, stalk those companies, stalk the people in those companies, you know, like get super familiar with those people in those companies and then use social media to join conversations. So if somebody says, hey, you know, you want to join Google, for example, and Google's doing something interesting or whatever, and there's some comments, then you jump in and you make your comment on top of that. So like, you're maximizing social media so that when you do ping the person and ask a question, they're like, oh, I saw so-and-so, I saw Requiem, he was in my comments saying, you know, and it was, he made a valuable comment, you know, a couple times, you know, so you want to warm the person up to who you are and really maximize social media um, for your degree. Because people who reach out to me who say, um, you know, like if you're in this, if we're in the chats and I'm reading off what you said, I think even Paul, for example, we started connecting from being in, from Paul joining our our um, live streams. I think that's how we all connected. Yep. Like Paul would be in here making comments every week, every time. And then we're like, oh, who's Paul? We got to talk to him. You know, like he's in here making all the great comments. So it's kind of the same thing. Like we want, and then some of the folks that have gotten jobs after we, um, we've given out advice and they're here every week and they, you know, they come back again. We're like, oh, so-and-so got the job. That's awesome. You know, so obviously now if this person reaches out to me on LinkedIn, I know who that is versus a random, you know, someone. And, and again, sometimes you can't be on our lives, right? So you're on and you're talking to us and you're saying, hey, um, after the fact, I watch your show. I think it was awesome. I read your book and I watch your show. I mean, that's going to also go a long way versus a blind person that um, is not, you know, you're reaching out to them and they're not going to, um, and they haven't responded. And I know that some of these people don't have books and podcasts and stuff like that, but they usually, hopefully, are posting stuff on LinkedIn that you can respond to. Um, and and so, yeah. look, look, look at their activity. If they haven't posted in three years, they're pro- sending they're them a message on LinkedIn, <laughs> they're, they're probably not there. They're I not mean, they, they created a profile, but they're not active. So I uh, take that into consideration it's as well. But for like the raising your hand that you're available is actually easier on Twitter. Um, because yes. even in the InfoSec, like all the people I follow, there are constantly posts for, oh, I've got this role or 
Does anyone know anybody who can do X? So follow LinkedIn and Twitter yeah. and groups. There's certain groups on LinkedIn that, you know, people in the same space. So I'm a part of a number of women's groups. Um, but also, um, if you can join like some general cybersecurity groups, you get to mingle with CISOs more directly as well. Find groups where you where there are CISOs mingled in with the general population as well. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, Slacks, Discords, yes. all those yeah. different types of groups. Yep. All those groups for sure. For sure. Okay. And Requiem said it, it was about job recs. When he said recs, it wasn't re recommendations, it was job recs. Okay, so let's go back up here. Tons of comments and um, engagement today, which is fantastic. Um, somebody said, amen, Jules. I'm just trying to get back to where we were. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, if you don't have a degree, so Scott's follow-up. If you don't have a degree, which certs hold the most weight in Jules' opinion? So Jules, that's on you. Um, it depends on what role you're looking to fill. So um, when I talk about... Uh, Scott... You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. The reason why is some of the certs are tied to different organizations. And what I found is there's a receptiveness for some organizations over another. I don't want to put any any of them down. So, but but there are some um, any ones if you go into risk management that 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 help you with leadership management operations. Those certs are good. Technical skills um, at least get you security plus. I mean, it just demonstrates you have an interest in the thing. Um, and then if you're looking to get into like uh, pen testing, there are specific ones. So I can share that offline. I just don't want to do it online and like. Yeah, I, I, all I would say is um, figure out where you want to go in cyber and find the certs that most closely align with it. So um, getting uh, a, a cert that is focused to a pen test, but you want to be audit. Yeah. is not going to help you. So um, there's um, a, a certification map. You can use that as a guide yes. to kind of help you focus your research and your learning. Yes, I agree with them both. Scott says he will, thank you. Requiem responded, he's reached out to cyber project managers, VPs, recruiters, check for activity, but d could definitely be more involved in the groups and comments on Twitter. So, um, yeah, Requiem, you wanna you wanna get involved in it when they'll notice you more when you are making the comments. Yes. So they put a post up, you make a comment, they respond, other people see it. And it, uh, what I love also about the commenting component is that other CISOs, you know, CISOs are friends with CISOs, managers yep. are friends with managers. If I see um, something Jules post and I write something and then somebody like say for example they're looking maybe looking for a recruiting you know contractor somebody to help them with recruiting and I make a comment they'll reach out to me and be like oh you yeah I see this is what you're doing and you made a comment on Jules's yep. you know you made a really good I agree with what you said let's talk I've gotten business that way that, I was, that. a lot of the business that I get now I mean I have I'm working with you know, the UN and, 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 and Pinterest and some major organizations. And it literally is off the strength of my LinkedIn. I yeah. mean, it literally, uh, someone will see what I've said and go, oh my God, you share a perspective. I'd love to hear more about what you're doing. You, you're selling yourself in the same way we're selling ourselves for our businesses, but you're selling yourself personally. It's the same idea. The you same, want people to, exactly. you want to attract people to you. That's the thing. You yeah. want to be the honey, you want them coming to you. You want it to be like, oh, and then, Another thing you can do, which I think Paul is fantastic at this. He's so funny because he would say big sister of cyber. I was like, that's so funny. 
And he would say, he would call Naomi. I forget what, what title he used for Naomi, but he had all these different titles for us. And he would tag us. And a lot of times people tag me on stuff and I don't even pay attention. But because he would say Big Sister Cyber and he would tag me, it would make me laugh. I'm like, okay, what is Paul saying? And this is before we became, like, he, now he's family. But before it was just like, who is this guy for? What is he talking about? It was so funny and so interesting and so, you know, engaging that you had no choice but to jump in. So yeah. you want people attracted to you. So that's why you want to make the comments on there. And um, one of the things that um, I want to interject right here is your LinkedIn, your, your resume, they're supposed to be marketing materials for your future, not your past. Yes. And all too often, LinkedIn profiles are about their past, what they did, but it doesn't connect with what they want. That's so true. if you show how your, your your skills, your competencies from the past relate to your future role, people are going to like that when they see your profile. They're going to see that you can be this role. They can see that you're going to be a great BSO um, because you're aligning your sales to security or things like that. You're finding ways to connect it together. And that's where I think a lot of people lack is that that marketing aspect in their LinkedIn and their resume. Completely agree. Maybe, um, um, Chris, you need to teach your class in that. Hint, hint. <laughs> that should be part of, the, part of the coaching program, the intro to the coaching program. That is um, exactly true. Because it's so true. I think people are, you know, we wrote about it in the book. We talked about the people who've done it. But I think a step-by-step -step way of like, hey, folks, this is what you do. Maybe we'll have a maybe we'll have a um one of these LinkedIn lives, and we help somebody like step through that process. I would love. Oh, kind of like Jules mentioned, where she doesn't want to like call out a specific cert. I'm very hesitant to provide like specific guidance on like how to brand yourself um, for individuals because. Jules, the situation is different than mine, is different from yours. And saying something too generically could send someone the wrong way. So I always like to understand, like, what's their background? What are they passionate about? And then, like, tailor it to them. Um, but, but we could do some general points. No, I agree. I think we should. I think we should. Um, and I know it's the top of the hour. It's 2 o'clock Eastern. We should have something where we do... Um, where we bring people on, you know how like how we had individually, we work with people on their resumes. Maybe mm -hmm. this is like 2.0. This is the next component. Maybe it's like the shark tank though, but we're really <laughs> rounding them out, right? They gave us the pitch for why we should hire them. And right. then we give the feedback back about yeah. what they Ooh, should do. What they should do. I love this. You are shy about it, but I will tell someone how to brand themselves. I'm happy to. Yeah, she's a marketing executive. Marketing exec. All right, Jules, you're coming back. This is Steve, this is this is why we're gonna have a Shark Tank version of breaking into cybersecurity with Jules. <laughs> with Jules. <laughs> okay, folks. All right, it's two oh one. Let me get through a couple more of these comments, and then um, I know everybody has to get back to work. Uh, Sterling says, "Great comments. Thank you all. I feel a strong sense of relief because, like Paul said too, that human interaction is key. We shouldn't have stage fright talking with anyone in cyber." That's one thing I've learned while taking this approach. Thanks again for your detail and specific answers. I really appreciate it. You are welcome, Sterling. Um, Paul says, Jules, yes, capital Y-E-S. Certifications for one need to, needs to get reset back to bragging rights versus a job requirement. 
So very good point. Steve Upshaw, who is always here, says, I have learned way more practical knowledge regarding cybersecurity via certifications than traditional schools. And I have traveled both paths. It's good to know. Good, good point. Uh, Brooklyn 29, amen to Jules and one of her many comments that she was making today. So amen on multiple things. Aaron Frank says certifications equal at best a minimal baseline knowledge of that area. If you have many, then you are possibly a jack of, of many trades and master of nothing. Uh, Requiem soft skills are great. I don't believe that college teaches yeah. them. In my experience, it only comes with on the job experience. Degree kids are the most useless teammates. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Well, maybe it is the type of degree because all degrees aren't created equally. Yes. All schools aren't created equally. So I get it. Like if you're in some, if you're in, an, in, a, in a school where you don't have a group project, like I think Jules and I are talking about like when I was at NYU 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> um, and oh, you're 26. Yeah, I know. <laughs> plus, 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 plus. She's a prodigy. Yeah, I'm a prodigy. <laughs> I was a baby. Um, we all, we had group projects. Like you, ha- every class was a group project. You had to get together. You could not, you, you could either take it on and do it, but you had a group project, like yes. almost every single class. And I think it was mandated by, again, organizations that came in, the PWCs, all those different companies that were like, we need students that come out and know how to work with other people. Yes. Like they, they can't be in a box by themselves. They have to be able to work together. So this is what your class is. And so the classes reflected that. So you always had a group project. Like, and it was always a slacker. It was always a person that did more. It's just like a microcosm of work. <laughs> so we knew. Completely. We knew when you get out, it's like, okay, group project. Okay, you're going to be working in teams. Like, that's how it was. So unfortunately, Recream, I guess some of the schools, yeah, if you're, if you're just, you know, checking boxes or taking tests, then it's a little bit different. Michael Reeves says, I was told get a job with a degree and use that job to pay for certs. That works. That works too. Uh, Brooklyn says, great points. Paul says, a degree, if you don't have work-life experience, would be viable. I would agree also, though, to the point a degree is becoming a great thing with how colleges are finally restructuring IT and cyber internet programs. And that's true. A lot of veterans, you have so much on-the-job experience. Like, to me, that's where I really am, like, if a, if a company is like, you must have a degree, and if you're looking at someone who's a veteran, who's done all this work for 15, 20 years, and you're like, you need a degree, I think, you know, for that's where I have, like, the challenge. But for the, va- especially brand spanking newbies, Meaning like, you know, just got out of high school, whatever. What else are you doing? (laughs) You're not a veteran. (laughs) You don't have an excuse. Um, Shana says some cyber degrees require you to get searched while earning a degree, which is great. Mine does. So that's also good. Um, Michael says for his current job, Paul, my years at a fast food chain helped me get my current role on top of my degree with knowledge as well. So, you know, again, um, Aaron, I think we prefer a combination of either college certs and experience to meet the requirement would be most beneficial to potential employees and companies. That's the that's the trifecta. Brent. Hey, Brent. Brent Hufflis says compensation comp- um, comp- often rely on education, certs or keywords to rate well enough to capture the talent. It's a cash 22 scenario. So that is true. That is true. Um, so Requiem wants to know if WGU is where Shana is getting her degree from. And Shana says, no, she's getting it from the University of Northwestern Louisiana, because WGU also has um, for the cyber undergrad, you get certs. So you pass the search, you pass the class. And so, you get coaching. Sorry. Yes, that's cool, too. 
Uh, Paul says, um, shows that they have value in the heart and soft skill sets you obtain. I do agree on let the company pay for the certs. Yep. If you could get into a company, please let them play, um, yeah. pay for it. Brooklyn 29 says, thanks for the shout out. Um, I'm trying to get through all of this. Uh, degrees are important because they force you to study some topics that you will never know on your own. That's what Muhammad says. Um, Scott says New York City subs rocks unless you're taking the L. <laughs> Subways. <laughs> All right. We have to go, everybody. Thank you so much. Come back again next week. We will be here. And I love the engagement. Thank you, Jules. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone. See everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.